from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. The the Fed's going to know what the core PCE inflation number is uh, when they talk to us tomorrow. So even though we won't get it till Friday. So I, I think um, it's really all about the Fed and earnings. And, er, and again, as we've discussed in the weekly market commentary, earnings are really, really important here and a potential uh, catalyst to help turn us around in addition to the inflation rates Fed narrative. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. Jeff, I don't know, between the Bengals and Chiefs playing in the AFC Championship and the stock market just going crazy, do you think we're going to have a, enough to fill a half hour today? Oh, I think we'll probably be able to do that. Certainly uh, a, a time of mixed emotions for both yes. of us. No, exactly. I mean, we're, we're, we'll talk a little football here, but we're aware this week, um, you know, a lot of people are concerned, right? I mean, we're going to get into it all, right? I mean, just the very, very rough start to the year. And, well, we're doing this Tuesday morning, so who knows where we're going to close, but stocks are down again Tuesday morning. Huge, historic, historic reversal on Monday. Just lots of moving parts, and we're going to do our very best here today to kind of put it all together and kind of tell a story of what's happening and where uh, where we think things could be going. So, Jeff, really, the show summary is this. Maybe before I get to the show summary, let's. Uh, I did find it somewhat comical. You mentioned you had a near concussion over the weekend. You want to tell us about that? So, guys, just as full disclosure, whatever Jeff says, he's in concussion protocol. What happened this weekend, Jeff? Yeah, I guess I'm like uh, Tyron Matthew, right? The chief yeah. safety that got a concussion during the game. Uh, I was, uh, this is the truth, not making anything up. My daughter likes gymnastics, so I was trying to spot her and uh, didn't do a very good job of that. And she uh, kicked me right in the forehead. Well, the fact you're okay makes me just kind of laugh. I mean, did you see stars like legit? Like it kind of froze you for a minute there? No, it, it wasn't that bad. It it hurt a little bit, you know, and then mm -hmm. a couple of days later, I still got a little red mark there. Unfortunately, I don't have any hair to cover the forehead, uh, but uh, no other symptoms, not woozy, not seeing okay. uh two Ryan Dietrichs today on my screen or anything like that. You don't want to see two of them. I'll tell you what, you're seeing double if you've been watching the stock market. Put it this way, volatility has been running double, so you're not seeing there. So let's, uh, glad you're okay. Here's to the getting out of the uh, concussion protocol in, in a timely fashion. Uh, so guys, this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to, it's funny, I've changed how we're going to, what we're going to call this yesterday, we we're going to call it talking about the correction. Then we had this, huge, which is a 10% correction. We had this huge rally. Now, as we speak, I think S&P's down almost 10% again for the year. Nonetheless, we're going to dissect, we'll call the start to 2022. Uh, we're also going to talk about what exactly is needed for a bottom, right? We think we're getting closer. We're seeing some ingredients for a for pretty nice bottom to take place. But what is exactly needed there? We're going to dive there in. And then it is Fed week. We're going to spend a little bit of time on the Fed uh, at the, we'll see how much time's at the end to discuss uh, that. So, Jeff, again, I'll maybe set the table and you can kind of take it from there. Um, really, really rough start for equities to start this year. If you've listened to this podcast, we've talked before about, listen, the Fed is starting to hike, expect more volatility. The economic cycle is aging, expect potentially more volatility. After the incredible run we've seen the last three years with only a 5% correction last year, um, expect more volatility. <laughs> well, little did we know, all the volatility is going to take place the first three weeks of the year. Um, if you look on an intraday basis, yesterday, that'd be Monday, when the market just totally puked into the uh, lunchtime timeframe, S&P was down almost 12% for the year on an intraday basis. So again, officially in a correction. I took a look at the previous fastest years ever to get into a correction. Now take note again, this is on an intraday basis because we did rally yesterday. 
yesterday. Um, only 15 trading days, right, to get to a 10% uh, correction intraday. You had 2016, 2009, 2008 were all faster. Kind of mixed reviews on those years, right? 2009, 2016, rough starts to the year. We all know 2008. Let's let's hope we don't have a repeat of that. We don't think we will. But let's be clear. Uh, and then also 1939s in there. That's just it's just in there. Um, I mean, Jeff. So again. Let's get you in here. So I kind of set the table. What in the world's going on? Why in the world are we seeing this much volatility? I'll be honest. I don't think anything's that much of a shock. The Fed's going to hike some rates. Inflation's high. Economies maybe maybe slowing down a tad. But wow, we're seeing historic volatility. Take it away. Yeah, markets dealing with um, a couple of adjustments. Right, we've got the Fed adjustment, which was dramatic. Uh, it wasn't long ago when we thought maybe we'd get one or two hikes, and, and now a lot of people are calling for more than four. Yep. So that's one. You know, the economy is transitioning to mid-cycle. It's, you know, the, the expansion's aging, maturing, and that brings more uh, volatility. We, you know, we've talked a lot about that, including in our 2022 Outlook publication, that this was likely to be a bumper, bumpier year, uh, just um, following history. And then, you know, the economy's slowing. Omicron's part of that, um, and with it, earnings are slowing. And so, the, you know, the market's trying to get used to your typical earnings season, modest upside, slower growth, you know, still good earnings environment. It's still solid growth, but it's certainly not anything like what we saw uh, last year. So um, a little volatility is not surprising. It's just, you know, gone maybe a little bit further than, than we and most expected here in a short period of time. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about earnings here soon. Uh, we did write up some, some about that in our recent weekly market commentary. So we'll dive, uh, or as you like to say, Jeff, peel back the onion. <coughs> I get choked up talking about it. Peel back the onion on earnings. Again, just some things to remember here. Um, you know, the average year, no such thing as average, but the average year sees a 10% correction, right? There's been like 72 years since 1950. I think there's been 71 10% corrections. That's close enough for government work, about one a year. Um, you also have about three 5% corrections a year on average. Now, the thing to remember on these, what, what we're talking about here, they happen in clusters. You know, most years when you have one 10% correction, you might actually have a second one. Not always, but it can happen. And 5% corrections, we only saw one all last year. Again, one of the least volatile years ever. A lot of years, maybe a five, six, seven, five percent corrections if things are more volatile. And then the fact that we are in a midterm year, I think actually what we're going to talk more about midterm year in a second. Uh, but midterm years historically can be um much more volatile. I think we pointed out on this uh, this very podcast time and time again. So, Jeff, some some other things. Maybe you know we just kind of pointed out some negatives. Let's point out um, a potential positive. So, I went back and found the previous times that the um, S and P five hundred had a very very quick ten percent correction. Now, take note: this was on a closing basis. I did these numbers yesterday when it looked like we were going to officially close down ten percent. We very well might do it on a closing basis today on Tuesday, which will still be a very fast 10% correction. Um, the key concept being, again, what I what I found were the previous times you had a 10% correction in a month or less. You make an all-time high, then within 21 trading days, which is one calendar month approximately, you are down 10% on the S&P 500. I mean, Jeff, the good news, I see 1955 on here, 97, 98, 2000, uh, 18, and 20 all on there. 12 months later, I'm sorry, let's go six months later. Six months later, after these very, very quick pullbacks of at least 10% from all-time highs, six months later, S&P higher every single time 
up 15% on average. Uh, you go out a year, yeah, you know, the, the 2000 bubble, things weren't so great going after that. But some of those other returns, 18% um, median return a year later after you have these violent 10% um, uh, corrections. Um, so again, maybe Jeff, if you want to build in on that, is there something there? Is there something about quick jabs lower? Maybe that's not so bad versus a slow grinding death. I'm not even sure. I'm just kind of that's why I'm glad you're here. You're the equity strategist. What's your take? But at least it looks like it's not the end of the world. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, a lot of traders, you know, the fast money, they're looking for capitulation, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, when you see huge moves quickly on heavy volume, you sort of rip off the Band-Aid, yeah. right? And then that, that starts to get uh, the, the the traders more interested in calling these these interim lows, right? So I think that's a little bit of what's going on here. But it also um, all comes down to where you are in the cycle, right? Because we're we're early. We're going to get economic growth this year. It's almost a certainty, right? We just came out of recession less than two years ago. So um, yeah, that's what maybe makes this a little bit different, a lot different than, uh, you know, the late 90s, or, you know, even maybe, right. um, you know, 2018, right? When the Fed caused that big market sell-off. Um, this is early. We're going to get economic growth. We're going to get earnings growth. Earnings growth is going to be maybe a little bit dicier, but we're very confident that we'll get some earnings growth this year, and that should help stocks find a low here. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, so you mentioned, you know, the Fed in, in 2018. You know, you could argue they, in essence, caused it, or I don't know who really caused it, but the Fed did one more rate hike in December of 18, market through a big fit, had nearly a bear market afterward. I mean, Jeff, you know, the thing, I mean, we're watching TV, we're watching the same stuff everybody else is watching, so I'm going to ask you, I mean, couldn't the Fed cause another one? I mean, the Fed's saying they're going to hike rates, and we'll, I guess we'll know a lot more when we do our Fed preview. Well, we'll know a lot more from the Fed tomorrow. We're going to talk about the Fed previews. So maybe I'm getting ahead of the boat here, but I'm still going to ask it anyway. Um, you know, the Fed could potentially cause a, a bear market this time, but because they just care about stopping inflation. I mean, it is it is political, right? I mean, you look at the polls, we look at the same polls as everybody else. People are more worried about inflation than anything else. So maybe if we cause a, a, a bear market potentially by, by hiking rates even sooner than people want to stave off inflation, it's all about getting reelected next year in a midterm year. So maybe a bear market now is not the end of the world if we kill inflation into the future. I mean, I'm just going down a rabbit hole here, I'm aware, but that's the stuff they're talking about on TV and our, our advisors are hearing and their clients are hearing. What do you think about that? Sure. Well, in inflation's more than political, right? It's it's the True. Fed's mandate. So yeah. uh, they're going to do what they can to contain it. Clearly, they were behind the curve, mm -hmm. uh, but they have made such a massive pivot. I mean, you know, not just talking about faster rate hikes, right? Talking about actually shrinking the balance sheet, yeah. Which, frankly, I don't think anybody expected six months ago. Uh, so, um, you know, again, the market has gotten adjusted to that. It's been an uncomfortable adjustment here, uh, certainly to start 2022. But um, you know, it's very hard to envision another hawkish pivot from where they are now and where the market expects them to be uh, in 2022. So that that is encouraging. But this is all about inflation, and um, certainly we need help from you know COVID with the supply chain disruptions that are causing some inflation, the material shortages, uh, labor supply issues, and all of that. Um, it's coming. Uh, we wrote about that in our latest weekly market commentary, which you can find on LPL.com. You have to 
get some of these things to resolve themselves before we can really get inflation down. But over the next uh, several months, we think we'll, we'll start that process and the market should like it. Yeah, no, no, well said. I, I tend to agree there. I just was kind of pointing out what, what, what people are hearing out there. And, but that's a great point. I mean, the Fed balance sheet, approximately $9 trillion. They are still adding to it as we, as we speak. But again, the fact there's going to be a runoff to that balance sheet. Remember, it took like three or three and a half years approximately last time um, you know, we went through all this before the actual runoff started. So there's, there's some different levers that the Fed obviously can pull. Maybe, hey, you know, again, it's political. So instead of saying we're going to hike rates a bunch, maybe we just start running off the balance Sheet. Maybe most people don't realize running off the balance sheet can have potentially the same impact as a rate hike, potentially, um, you know, and that's it's less political, but you know, we'll, we'll go there when we uh, when we get there. But clearly the Fed, um, well, <laughs> it got some interesting decisions to make. I'll put it that way, especially when you factor in the volatility that we've obviously seen. All right, Jeff, so let's kind of go to the second part of this conversation. Now what? Right. I mean, you know, we're say, I keep saying we're almost corrected. I mean, you know, we're pretty much there. The majority of stocks clearly have corrected by definition of a correction, a 10 percent peak to trough correction. So let's just kind of talk like we are in a correction. We know the Nasdaq is small caps like we're in a bear market. Right. As we speak, small caps are almost pretty much in a bear market. So so most people with their portfolios, they feel that, you know, Jeff, the other thing is, you know, bonds haven't really provided all that much Um protection to a portfolio. They haven't gone down as much. So maybe I shouldn't word it like that. But it's like bonds are up a bunch here is again, yields have soared higher, partially some of the reason that stocks are readjusting risk right now with the higher trending yields, meaning your future value, or I'm sorry, the current value of future earnings is pulled back. That means the higher growth in communications areas would hit harder. Um, but, but again, what are some of the things, Jeff, you think we need to look for for a market to bottom? What, 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 do, you, um, what do we need to see? We're getting close, I think, but what are you, what are you looking for here? Yeah, the, um, the inflation and rates narrative is, is probably, you know, number one, two, and three on the list of things that you really need to watch, right? It's, it's all one story. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's going to take us probably a, a few more months to get good news on inflation. Mm -hmm. But if yeah. we can see rate stability, right, the 10-year yield, even though maybe it wasn't for the best reason, 10-year yield came down quite a bit here recently, mm -hmm. you know, back down below 1.8%. Uh, um, if we can stay under two, uh, that should certainly help market stability. And then, um, you know, while you wait for inflation. And then the, the Fed, you know, sometimes just getting through the news there's uncertainty ahead of news, then you get the news, then there's less uncertainty. So maybe yeah. just the Fed getting out there and kind of reaffirming that the market is roughly in line with where they are uh, can get this thing uh, stabilized. I mean, we, we still have confidence we're going to be up this year. In an up year, you get an, on average about an 11 percent uh, correction. So this is really just in line with normal volatility, even though it feels very uncomfortable. It happened so fast, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. and then it happened um, after a very calm year. Yeah, and that's usually the way, unfortunately, or fortunately, I mean, you know, we're not trying to sound off too many alarms here. We're pointing out the fact this is called market signals for a reason. We expect a volatility. It is happening. But again, I've used it before. I like the saying, you know, the, the, the uh, stock market's the only place where things go on sale, but everybody runs out of the store screaming. You know, there's some truth to that. We, we've had a big, big pullback in a lot of stocks across the board. Um, you know, a lot of investors obviously got very heavy in some of the growth stocks and the meme stocks and 
the, 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 the ARC stocks. And, and now they're obviously, uh, it was fun on the way up, right? But now they're paying for it on the way down. But that's why you keep a diversified portfolio, potentially um, you, using a advisor or some other uh, really smart people to help you with your money and kind of help you uh, help yourself um, from yourself, in essence. We're, sometimes we're our own worst enemies and it's not our fault. It's just kind of the way our brains are wired. But again, having a plan in place. I, I'll never forget when Burt White came on this very um, podcast well, I guess I forget because I don't know the exact day, but it was like March or April of 2020. He said, you know, the time to plan uh, for the storm is not in the middle of the eye of the storm. It's before the storm gets there. So now we're kind of in the middle of the eye of the storm. So maybe we need to hunker down um, in a lot of ways for, for a lot of investors. But again, we're going to get out of this. Things are going to be improved. But you know what's going to happen? There's going to be more volatility sometime in the future. That's why having a plan in place before the volatility comes, you won't necessarily panic when it's there. It's very uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. What's going on here? But again, is it totally abnormal to see a double digit correction after the run that we've had? Probably not, you know, so let's just remember that. So Jeff, this week in the earnings, uh, or no, I'm sorry, we'll talk earnings a little bit. In the weekly market commentary, you put together a pretty cool uh, cool slide, which we're sharing right now um, on our YouTube channel. And thank you for everyone who watches this and listens to it on the YouTube channel. Um, you know, give it a like, give it a follow. We, we really appreciate that. But Jeff, you broke down earnings growth, valuation change, and dividend yield. And again, maybe explain it to someone listening on a podcast. It's easier to look at this, but just be aware someone's maybe in their car listening to this explanation. Uh, take it away and kind of what you meant when you uh, showed this in our recent weekly market commentary. Yeah, you can break down uh, S&P 500 return, um, certainly by price change and by dividend yield, right? That That's pretty basic. Um, but if you take it a level deeper and you break down the price change by PE and E, right? that's the price to earnings multiple and the earnings growth, uh, then you can see what is driving that that gain or that loss, uh, frankly. And so this just shows those three pieces, uh, tells you whether earnings are growing and lifting stocks or whether valuation is increasing and lifting stocks. And last year was all about earnings growth. We had five years of really valuation-driven gains. So the point here is that we probably need, well, first of all, we're gonna see smaller returns, right? But um, the, the point here is that earnings are probably gonna have to carry the load because we've had this, pretty big valuation expansion the last several years. Last year was a start to the earnings-driven market environment. Um, we think that that continues. So uh, you'll still get that dividend yield, which is not a lot, but you know when we think the market's going to be up maybe 7 8%, that extra point, point and a half a yield certainly isn't negligible. Uh, and then you know valuations can hold. That's our view in general. Valuations can hold, maybe come down a bit. Uh, you can still have um, a pretty good year. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a great chart, right? It's saying, listen, there could be some years when earnings do great, right? And maybe the stock market doesn't quite do as well because valuations kind of hurt um, or vice versa, where, where you don't have such great earnings, but valuations in, increase. So you still get some gains. And we've had, this really shows it the last several years. Yeah, earnings have been good, but valuations have really been a big, big reason um, you know, the last several years, at least for some of the higher prices. And again, we, we talked about it. One of the concerns coming into this year Valuations are not cheap, right? And now stocks are still cheaper than bonds. Bonds are historically overvalued. You could argue stocks are just overvalued, oh, but still that's definitely a concern. And then you see this major reset that we're seeing with risk assets just kick this year off, or really since November, to be honest. Um, the meme stocks and the ARC stocks, and a lot of them that have really come back down to earth, technology and communications. Uh, those were some of the pricier areas. I mean, Jeff, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, still some of the cheaper areas of the market are what, like 
value, um, energy, financials, uh, healthcare, right? Aren't those still some of the cheaper areas if someone's purely looking to buy low valuations? Oh, absolutely. Healthcare mm -hmm. in particular yeah. uh, continues to be very cheap and you know generally unloved. So um, you know, for people who want to buy cheap, something that's maybe been more out of favor, that is certainly uh, a good place to look. Uh, and then we still like the banks. Banks yep. are reasonably valued too. And, you know, clearly um, they've had a little bit of a disappointing start to earnings season, but over time uh, we think they're going to see better uh, loan growth and uh, hopefully the yield curve can steepen a little bit or at least stay as steep as it is now, uh, which helps their, uh, their margins. Exactly. I mean, I've mentioned this before, banks and financials. I mean, a lot of them are trading just about where they were in 2008. All right. Uh, maybe some above, some below. But for the most part, you could argue they've gone sideways for what is it, almost 14 years, if I'm doing the math right. Um, so, yes, this year, banks have had a or financially a decent run. Um, pull back a little bit with the yield curve coming back. But again, we all know tech is this rubber band that's stretched awfully far. I mean, you can't stretch a little bit further. I don't want to go there, but it's obviously come back. But again, um, financials is an area that's really not uh, as overextended as you think if you take a longer view out. All right, so Jeff, let's go forward though. Um, some other things um, about this year that people need to be aware of. It is a midterm year. We've talked about this a couple of weeks in a row now, but I think given what's happening, it's important to remind everyone. Um, when you look at a midterm year historically, at least from like the 1950, early in the year is actually weak, right? Now, not as weak as this year. Yes, this year is starting off about as weak as we've ever seen. But early in the midterm year, just blindly by itself, stocks can be weak. In fact, up until October 5th, of your average midterm year, all right, going back to 1950, you know what the S&P is? It's down for the year, It's but they're big gains late in the year once you get through the election. But again, maybe it shouldn't be a shock, Jeff, um, if we just know that cycles and the way that history can repeat itself, that we're seeing some weakness uh, this year. Maybe that could be the playbook that the first half of the year can be choppy and frustrating. It's the second half when we get some of those gains. Um, seems to be playing out, does it not? Yeah, unfortunately, it's yeah. playing out that we're getting that weak start that we normally get. What, what's really amazing is how well stocks do after midterm elections, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little early to start talking about that, but right. you know, the market will start seeing that, um, you know, hopefully in the summer. That You know, we argued um, that maybe the, this midterm election season won't be quite as much of a driver of volatility as past years. Uh, we'll talk about that more when we get into... Um, you know, the summer months, but uh, sure, there's still uncertainty around the election and that um, tends to drive volatility. And then you've got um, the, you know, Ukraine-Russia situation on top of the Fed and inflation uncertainty right now that um, really probably tells you that this market's not going to go too far, uh, at least not much higher in the first six months. And I think the back half is going to be better. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, again, if my math is right, if you look at a four-year presidential cycle, there's four quarters in each year, that's 16 quarters, all right? Now, we're not showing the chart now, but I'm explaining it. Maybe we'll share it in a future week here. But like this quarter and next quarter are two of the worst out of the 16 quarters. The good news, if you can withstand the pain, you get the gain later because the fourth quarter of a midterm year and then the next two quarters of next year, which is the pre-election year, Take a guess what happens. Those historically are some of the strongest 
out of the 16 quarters in a four-year presidential cycle. So just, just some things to be uh, to be aware of. Again, this is extremely uncomfortable for a lot of people, rightfully so, especially people that look every single day, and uh, I do, so I'm not judging that. That's kind of how your investments are doing and what's going on. And honestly, I look every hour, so maybe I got a problem. But anyway, still, it's um, you know, it, it, it's important to take that longer-term uh, perspective. Now, Jeff, some other things that I want to see. Yesterday, we saw like record volume, Monday, Monday. We saw like record volume. All right, in a lot of different stocks and areas, that's potentially a washout. We had almost uh, over a four percent bounce from the lows yesterday. That's really, really rare. Now we did see some moves like that. We were down four percent and finished green only two other times in history. Both were October two thousand eight. So yes, that wasn't the lows necessarily, but again, uh, times of volatility. But we just don't think we're in a two thousand and eight. Um, you know, what gets me is sentiment is very negative. We're seeing huge put-to-call ratios. Keep this simple. Options guys are very, very scared, rightfully so. The VIX was way above 30. I'm not sure where it is this morning, but the fix, the VIX, uh, the fear gauge is getting up in those areas where, you know what, if you're not going to a recession, if you're not having a 100-year pandemic, um, you probably want to be dipping your toe in and using this as an opportunity with the fear that's out there. Two more things, Jeff, then I'll go to you. Uh, surprising me, if you will. Crude oil, like crude oil is like above its 10-day moving average. We get all this volatility, all this sell-off. Crude oil is hanging tough. I don't know. To me, that's a positive. It means there's still demand out there, global demand. And then credit markets and credit spreads. Remember back in September when we had the 5% correction, everyone said the world's going to end because the Chinese real estate bubble is bursting. Fortunately, that did not happen, um, You know, at least yet, and we don't think it's going to. The main reason we said at that time was because the credit markets um, on, on the credit default swaps and, and different things like that and the financials were just showing no stress. We're not seeing too much stress in the credit markets either right now. So I like seeing that. Doesn't mean the market can't keep going lower, but crude oil hanging in there and credit spreads uh, remaining fairly calm are positives with this flush out in volume and sentiment. I like seeing some of these things. Um, it makes me think we're closer to a low. Jeff, anything you kind of look for um, that says we're getting close to a low? And we've talked about it already, but anything else that I didn't say or you want to add there? I, I was actually going to bring up the sentiment. I think that's a really important point. Um, yeah. We we hear from our you know nearly 20,000 advisors when the markets are volatile, they want help, right? Yeah. Um, they want our perspective. They want us to write letters that they can send to their clients. Um, we're seeing a, a big pickup in, the, in those types of requests. So that gives you an, an idea of maybe a contrarian uh, sentiment indicator. You know, your neighbor, right? You know, your family members that aren't in the business, <laughs> right? It, it, you, you, you can feel this. You can, you can feel how uncomfortable it is. Um, and, uh, you know, that probably tells you you're pretty close uh, to a low. You don't always know you're close to a low, but it certainly feels like we're close to a low. And again, again given all, all the positive macroeconomic factors here, uh, we think we're um, you know, more likely to see this as a down 10, maybe a down 12, something like that, not down 20. Yeah, this is what the shoe shine boy indicator, right? Um, you know, Kennedy, I forget his name. So John F. Kennedy's father, what was his name? Kennedy, you know, by chance, Jeff, we're live. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I forget. Anyway, he had his famous I indicator. I remember. Yeah, well, so we'll just call him John F. Kennedy's father. I'm sorry for not knowing. But the famous thing that he said, the shoeshine boy is giving him tips, right? During, before the Great Depression, they're giving him tip, stock tips. He goes, oh boy, here it comes. So he like sold out and made a lot of money during the Great Depression and made the Kennedy name even more than it already was because, uh, you know, he said the shoeshine boy is telling them what to buy. Well, now I jokingly looked at my phone. I don't have a text since we started, but yeah, I've had a few texts the last couple of days uh, from people. So we're starting to get the opposite of the shoeshine boy, uh, shoeshine indicator here. Um, so, so just, you know, that's the anecdotal. So you can't really put a 
put a number on it, but again, it sure feels awfully top heavy. And again, maybe, maybe one more whoosh is needed. Maybe we get officially into a correction, you know, a little lower to really get fear in there. And that's again, not comfortable, but again, just kind of part of what you have to pay to play a lot of times for long-term investors. And again, you need to remember, this is part of the process. Um, you need to follow your goals and follow what you said you're going to follow. And, and likely when we look back a year or two from now, we're going to say, oh boy, I guess uh, that was rough, but you know what? We survived it. It likely was uh, an opportunity there. So Jeff, we, we got to move forward. We're going to spend uh, just a couple minutes. I think viewers would be upset if we didn't. It officially is happening. I can't believe it's happening, but our two teams are playing in the AFC Championship. I didn't think it's uh, possible. The, the Chief, your Chiefs have lost one game since Halloween. That's like, I don't know, over 100 days or something. Uh, it was two. The Bengals. All right. So, so we got, we got, I've got that gore for me, but I do think the Chiefs clearly are the favorite. I mean, are you over that crazy game on Sunday? Over as in, have you slept? The, the Chiefs game, that is. That was the wildest game I've ever seen. I mean, how'd you do? Wow. What? I, yeah. I, I thought it was over when they had 13 seconds left to get that last field goal. I'll admit. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I kept watching, but yeah. I thought it was over. So, Sure. I'm, I, I guess I'm moving on. I mean, I think the Chiefs are moving on too. They're focused on Cincinnati. Great team, especially uh, Burrow and, and Chase. So it'll be a big challenge. I think that spread of seven is is too big, um, you know, especially since the Chiefs secondary is so banged up and yeah. Burrow threw for what, 400 and something yards against them last time. True, true. So I know, yeah, exactly. I mean, just so people know, there's a couple couple things on Joe Burrow, then I swear we'll, we'll be done with the football talk and move forward. Uh, Joe Burrow can actually divide by zero. It turns out Joe Burrow can actually uh, uh, dribble a bowling ball. And this is true. When Joe Burrow was born, he drove his mom home from the hospital. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun uh, championship Sunday. Good luck to everybody. And no offense, Jeff, I hope the Bengals win, but I'm sure you hope the Chiefs win. So we'll move forward. Uh, Jeff, the final thing in this week's LPL Market Signals podcast that we are going to talk about, the Fed. And we kind of hinted at some of this, so maybe we don't get too deep into it. Uh, the Fed, so we'll be recording this Tuesday morning. Jeff, the Fed is supposed to come out on Wednesday. It's widely expected there's no interest rate hike, right? We know it's probably going to be March. The futures are expecting it to be March. In fact, Fed fund futures are saying we're going to get a quarter point hike every single quarter this year. That's what's kind of priced in. Jeff, I don't know. I mean, that, that, you think they're going to walk it back some? My take is I think they might walk it back a tad. But um, what, what do you think they're going to say Wednesday? What are you, what are you feeling here? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get any surprises at all. I think they're just going to sure. stick to the the, the plan and, and um, you know, after we're done, the market will just see these four, potentially five hikes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe the most interesting thing will be what they say about the balance sheet. I think that's going to wait several months before they do anything there. Uh, you know, there's possibility that they'll accelerate the tapering. I mean, they shouldn't be buying bonds right now, right. given the economic environment. So maybe instead of waiting until, I don't know, early March, they accelerate that to February. There's a chance they'll do a 50 basis point hike in March. I don't think they signal that. There's too much uncertainty to tell the markets tomorrow that they're going to do that. So um, I, I'd be, I'll be surprised if we get it surprised. How about that? That makes sense to me. Um, yeah, I'm in a similar camp as well. I mean, by no means am I 
the Fed whisperer like Lawrence Gillum uh, is on our team. I know we talked with our advisors just this morning on our Fixed Income Tuesday about some of these concepts. But again, the one thing I do like about the Fed is not your father's Fed, right? They are very clear. Jerome Powell's been very clear in what he's what he sees and what he's going to do. Um, he's not a doctorate, right? He's the first non-doctorate lead the Fed in a couple in like a generation. Um, so you can say he's got more street smarts to him, if you will, and you know, talking in code, kind of like Bernanke did, and some other Fed uh, Fed presidents have in the past. It's not his. That's not his game. Right. I mean, it was early November, you know, kind of when when he said we're retiring the word tapering. And, yeah, the market didn't like it. We saw some big volatility in early November, but that's what he said. And that's been the case ever since. So we'll talk a lot more about the Fed next week. Obviously, um, it matters. Right, Jeff. Anything else this week besides the Fed that we should be paying attention to? I mean, that seems like the highlight earnings and Fed seem like the two big things. Anything else this week that could move things? I don't think so. Uh, the the Fed's going to know what the the core PCE inflation number is yeah. uh, when they talk to us tomorrow. So even though we won't get it till Friday. So I, I think um, it's really all about the Fed and earnings. And, er, and again, as we discussed in the weekly market commentary, earnings are really, really important here mm-hmm. and a potential uh, catalyst to help turn us around in addition to the inflation rates Fed narrative. Absolutely. Well, great discussion there, Jeff. We'll see where it all shakes out. Uh, thanks to Neil, our producer's producer as always. And thanks to all of you, the listeners and watchers on our YouTube channel. Uh, we appreciate it. We are aware that when volatility comes, an old saying, my buddy Phil Perlman, Phil Perlman always said, the higher the VIX, the higher the clicks. So it is not lost on us that when volatility comes, uh, we, we're going to do our very best to step up and give even more, um, more, you know, maybe better research, if that's even possible, but even maybe more research along the way. So definitely uh, pay attention on lplresearch.com, our blog, and you can follow us on Twitter as well. Lots of different places. We're going to continue to share uh, what we're seeing. And honestly, in a lot of cases, hopefully more real-time sharing what we're seeing, because with all this volatility, we know people have questions and and we're honored that people come to us uh, for the answers. We don't always have the answers, uh, but we're going to do our very best to, um, to share exactly what we're seeing out there and where we think things will go. So with all that, all of that, everybody, we'll be back next week. We'll know the winner of the Bengals-Chiefs game, so we'll maybe talk a little bit about that. Uh, but everyone have a great weekend watching some good football. And here's to um, here's to the market bouncing, right? Let's hope we get a little bit of a bounce here. I'm sick of all these red days to start off. I'm sick of the red for the Chiefs. I'm sick of the red for the, for the bear market. Let's put it that way. Anyway, everybody, we'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, 
Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.